he abandoned corporate America to embark on a whole new venture in horror podcasting. Please join your host, Ben, and his sister, Adrian, for today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. This week, we'll be talking about The Lost Boys, a classic vampire. Well, maybe not so much classic, but it's a vampire movie. It's entertaining. It's fun to watch, and it's definitely... 80s horror, but uh, a little more celebrity appeal in this one, I guess, and the director a little more prominent, too. Adrian has just watched this. We literally just watched this um, right before we started recording here. Very it's fresh. Fresh in her mind. She had never seen it before. I've, of course, seen it many times. So, we are, you are now officially well into your way of life. <laughs> Lifestyle. <laughs> Lifestyle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Any interesting observations as far as that goes? or um, I don't know if it's interesting, but definitely taking some acclimation. Any Not... plans to change the world yet? <laughs> no, sadly, those haven't um, come to me as they should have um, by now. <laughs> I... Month in, I haven't changed the world yet. <laughs> well, I remember when I was unemployed, and I was about your age too. I was about 32, 33. And that was the last time I was, right before I got to where I'm at now. And I just felt like the sky was the limit and I could do anything and just, you know, now I could do what I really wanted to do. And, you know, it worked out well. I guess I was just <laughs> thinking, I don't know what I was thinking, but it just felt like there was just abundance of possibilities. I guess I haven't quite felt that yet. Maybe in flashes. <laughs> you know what it was? It's like that sense of energy I get when it turns to January 1st, New Year's Day. Yeah, and I'm like, I still haven't new really start. Experienced. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just another day. Right. But I guess in the spirit of saying things that I'm doing, I did book a trip to Ireland for my yes. unemployment kickoff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, see that, there you go. That's yeah. something you wouldn't have done before, probably. Right. If you were yeah. employed, you'd have a uh, a chance. I would have just been thinking about it for the next five years or so. And it probably never would have happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you should be thankful. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Well, so Lost Boys, yeah, it, um, it kind of like, when I think of it, I think of not really anything too scary, really. I mean, you didn't think it was really all that scary, did you? No. <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah, it was just plain entertaining and it's kind of hard to take it seriously when you have the Corys, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I did notice in the description that it was labeled as horror comedy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which really? Which is always kind of a confusing mix of genres, but I guess it's making a comeback in recent years. Horror comedy? Yeah. Description meaning like you saw it on you read about it online or in one of the multiple ways we tried watching this movie, I saw it pop up oh, as right. a kind of genre. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We jumped from one platform to another and finally watched it on DVD. An old the, classic yeah. form of media. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A little retro. But sometimes you got to go back there to get the best quality. And the other thing, too, is that it's... So it's got the cast of uh, Jason Patrick, uh, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, and Diane West, the old, the old lady that was that played their mom. And Grandpa, he was a funny guy. Uh, the director, Joel Schumacher, actually not a horror director. He's directed many films throughout the 80s and 90s. Uh, as a matter of fact, Batman Forever mm. and a few other Batmans also. 
one thing he was known for is kind of like a style over substance director. So he that he, explains a lot. Exactly. <laughs> right. He'd put scenes together, you know, he'd try and like outfit everybody with the best possible, you know, fashion, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. This this movie did have a lot of flair, I will say. <laughs> yep. Right. So you could see, you know, a lot of emphasis on that, what they were wearing and just, I don't know. I think just the, the kind of very quick MTV style scenes of the... Uh, Edits, I mean, the mm-hmm. fast cuts and, and stuff like you would see like in the music videos of that era too. The overlays or the double exposures. I don't really know what the right term is, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. What's an example? Um, <laughs> well, this was one of my notes that I was going to bring, but when they were making that not so subtle um, overlay of Michael and Jim Morrison's face. Together. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yep. So I'm not sure what they were getting at with that. (laughs) Were they just trying to say they look the same? Yeah, I don't know. It was just like, I think they were trying to do something, but like it was kind of a pointless. (laughs) (laughs) Look at how cool and handsome this man is. Yeah, I never understood. I mean, I know that like every time I watch this movie, I see the Jim Morrison picture in the cave. And and it was like they were trying to align his face with it, which he did look similar, I guess, in that instance. But yeah, again, um, like why? (laughs) I'm trying to think of anything about the Doors or Jim Morrison himself that could have been relevant to the story. I Again, don't... flair over substance, I guess. Maybe. I mean, he is dead, and <laughs> so are they, so are the vampires. Maybe he was a vampire. I don't know. Okay, so Star, mm-hmm. her real name is Jamie Gertz. Mm. She was never in many movies. Um, she was kind of just like one of those actresses that came and went pretty quickly, but... Years later, if you remember the movie Twister. Mm-hmm. So she was, I believe, it's been a while since I've seen Twister, but she, I That was think, the first DVD that we bought. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll circle the DVDs anyway. Wow. It all ties in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, I think, was either Bill Paxton's girlfriend or his, he was engaged to her. Mm. And then Helen Hunt, I guess, was an old friend of his, like as the movie twister storyline went and she came back into the picture and they reconnected and then she kind of i don't know slipped into the outside right is that how twister went it's kind of hard to remember anything other than just like shit flying around all movie long and them chasing it (laughs) we got sisters (laughs) what (laughs) we got sisters when there's multiple tornadoes i don't know oh Oh, is that what they said yeah i didn't (laughs) remember it and the cow scene yeah. Um, yeah. And then the very romantic scene of Helen Hunt and um, was it Bill Paxton when they're like chained yep. to the thing and the tornado was flying over them. <laughs> <laughs> you remember more than I do. <laughs> I saw it once. I mean, it was a good movie, but there was a lot of movies like that back then where they were just kind of like really emphasized, you know, just these disasters. And uh, it was well done. Mm-hmm. That was some, I think, Jan, Jan de Bont or Jan de Bont. <laughs> At his peak. We'll have to review Twister as a genre-bending, horrific natural disaster movie. Oh, maybe. (laughs) We will see. So that was the only two movies I can think of that she was in. Nevertheless, you know, she was, you know, somebody notable in her own right in that movie. So the intro with the carnival and all that stuff, it's 
the single mom and the two sons coming in. Apparently, there was just a divorce that happened, and she's going to live with her father for yeah, a while. Which I will say, that's kind of a common trope in these kinds of movies, where it's just like, oh, like the single parent family moving somewhere new. Like, what's going to happen? Right. <laughs> Karate Kid. Yeah. Stranger yep. Things. Twilight. Oh. Um, Recent stuff, yeah. I know there's more out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, you know, just strangers in a strange land kind of thing just coming into it and at first it looks all nice they get the carnival it's all you know happy sort of but there's kind of like a hint of something sinister where they got that people are strange song Mm -hmm. you know playing in the background as you see all these weird images of people and carnivals if it wasn't for the carnival shots this movie would be like 20 minutes long i think it's just like one carnival scene after another and then finally like halfway through the movie they stop showing it they're just constantly having fun yeah or carnival or, or fair amusement park on the dock whatever it was like a coney island in california sort of yeah yeah santa carla santa clara uh-huh so whatever that was the the lost boys themselves Kiefer sutherland and his troop they kind of tend to prowl around there and they create havoc and they get in trouble with various people. And then not long after that, they kill the people. You never see them again. That's if anybody looks at them wrong. Mm-hmm. As made clear by all the but the overhead shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that during the movie. Mm-hmm. Like back then, how did you get those shots? It had to yeah. be by helicopter, I guess, which is a lot more expensive. So bulky. <laughs> Imagine the budget they could have had if they had removed all that helicopter rental. We're introduced to most of the cast pretty quickly in the beginning. The mom goes into the video store and she meets the guy who I guess is the manager. The guy, what's his name? I forget. But, you know, the big guy with the glasses who seems... Max. Max. Mm -hmm. Good one. He seems innocent enough. You know, he's kind of dorky looking, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones you got to watch out for. Uh Uh-huh. Beware the quiet man. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Kiefer Sutherland and those other kids like in his club. They come in and she's there and everything and there's everybody. And you just don't realize they're they're connected more than they're let, letting on. And somehow, like what's it, Jason Patrick, so he gets involved with those guys. He sees Jamie Gertz at that amazing concert mm-hmm. with that... <laughs> greased up muscular saxophone playing guy with a ch- with a chain around his neck i would have been in the front row oh me too <laughs> <laughs> i would have thrown my shirt at him <laughs> and i'm sure he at you yep so yeah i'm sure like if that really was being played in front of like kids that age they really would have been into into that kind of show <laughs> i mean that's how it was in the 80s right I don't know. <laughs> I remember there was some pretty good bands out there, but I don't remember much of that. <laughs> Not exactly your Def Leppard or your uh, heavy metal or hard rock type of band. You must have been hitting up the wrong crowds. Yeah. So he, Jason Patrick sees her. He's immediately captivated. And then Corey Haim is kind of annoyed that he has to tag along as he chases after her, um, only to find out that she's involved with Kiefer Sutherland and she's riding the back of his bike. And then he's kind of like, doesn't know what to think because they're made eye contact. Seems like there was some kind of connection there. Apparently that's all you needed back then without like 
Tinder, right? All the other online. Is that ways how people did it without people. apps? Yeah, you just stare at each other and chase each other through a crowd <laughs> until you make a connection, or unless one of you rides off on a motorcycle with a vampire. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, now if you make eye contact with somebody, you think there might be possibilities. You go approach them, and they call the cops on you. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Everything has to be done through the app these days. So. A little bit confusing since, but, you know, it seemed that the two of them had some kind of connection then only to find out that she's riding off with him. And then he is invited to ride along with them. And so it's hard to say what's going on here. You know, first he was going after her, but then suddenly the, her boyfriend invites him to ride along. So yeah, I guess he just figured, well, unknown. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, I make a new friend. <laughs> you seem cool. Right. We have similar taste in women. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they were planning on some kind of uh share thing or what, but he gets to go back to their cave. And... Oh, wait. He was supposed to be her first kill, right? Oh, uh, okay. Maybe that was it. All right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of like one of those comments where if you, you walk away for two seconds, you miss it. Yeah. Well, because but... I had spent the entire movie basically figuring out like, who was star <laughs> why is she there oh yeah <laughs> right and even more confusing is her child like that's never even explained yeah is that her child or is that like a I, random kid they found <laughs> i have no clue again it's like not explained whatsoever all you know is you see this kid walking around like a in very a, stylish child was he like like a, like a tin man or toy soldier <laughs> coat he was wearing a military inst- inspired like Oh, uh, like kids military school type of thing. Yeah. yeah, who the hell knows how that came to be? Because she definitely was not dressed like that. No. <laughs> so the kid did not need to be in this movie. Like there was really nothing that it swayed one way or the other. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's just joined the, those guys and they're, I don't know, there's some kind of like weird mind game type of thing where or drugged. He feels drugged. You know, he thinks he's eating rice one minute he looks down it's maggots and Mm -hmm. uh you know the guys know he's out of sorts that was i guess him being under the vampire influence he hadn't Mm -hmm. drank that yet had he or no this movie the movie meanders so it's kind of hard to kind of remember the sequence of things you know there's there's very a lot of scenes that look similar and you can't remember like what happened when it kind of puts you under a spell like the uh vampires intended (laughs) yeah seriously yeah i mean again entertaining to watch but it didn't really seem to have much of a really strong direction but it got its point across uh but long story short he does become one of them you know i mean he's he's sitting there and next thing you know he's hanging from a bridge and they're encouraging him to just drop off and see what happens See, my whole theory is that this is like a big anti-drug like campaign. <laughs> it's peer pressure, like just say no. <laughs> hey, that was the it was still the Reagan era, so you maybe have something there. Yeah, like <laughs> it's a slippery slope, you know. You might try marijuana the next minute you're a vampire. Oh, right. <laughs> hanging yeah. from a bridge. Be careful. Yep. <laughs> yeah, hanging from the bridge. He's the guys drop off one by one. He does it. And he wakes up in his bed with sunglasses. Well, he gets the sunglasses and is talking to his mom, which is kind of a funny scene. 
Oh yeah, like, he removes Hello. the sunglasses and he's wearing eyeliner, which you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> You've suddenly turned. Because of the eyeliner. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Vampires tend to have that. <laughs> a lot of uh, comical humor in this. I mean, definitely some comic, you know, the whole thing, it's not even comic relief because just the comedy is, is constantly, every time Corey Haim is on screen, he's always saying something silly. Um, he's... You know, talk about his blood-sucking brother, you know, and it's it's presented to him very abruptly, too. It's mm-hmm. like one minute he's taking a bath. <laughs> he's singing in the bath, you know, just like all guys do. <laughs> and then the next thing he knows, um, there's a ruckus as he slips underwater and his brother comes in. The dog comes in. The dog chases him out of there, bites his hand. And that's pretty much, you know, when they have that conversation and he sees no reflection in the mirror and, and all that. So. And he's also wearing an earring. I, I couldn't remember if he was like wearing the earring before. And it's only the one earring like on his left ear. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the style. Like I had that. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Would you like to tell our audience what it was? It was a few things. Like, I, had a few <laughs> oh, things. I just remember the. Oh, the skull. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so, I thought it was so badass. <laughs> but that skull earring. <laughs> what were the other things? Um, You know, there's some studs and, and things like that. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Nothing uh, too interesting. <laughs> they're around somewhere. I should put them back in. Yeah. Bring it back. Actually, that style is starting to come back. Well, you see it like on guys are a lot older. Like mm. senior citizen, like I don't know what it is, but guys <laughs> like sixty and above tend to have nothing like too flashy, but they'll have like a stud. I don't know what that's all about, hmm. because neither do I. I'm not a sixty-five-year-old man. Yeah, I don't know what that. I don't know if it's like young baby boomers or are they like <laughs> just. I don't even know like what the age range is in Generation X anymore. If it's them, because that was kind of like. Aren't you Generation X? I am, but I don't know if that's <laughs> what the um, end of the, the bracket is. Right. Okay. I see. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if it's like 60 or if it's 55 or what. I don't know. I hope I'm a young one. <laughs> so, yeah, the earring thing was kind of, I mean, he's at, early in the movie, he's at the boardwalk. That's when he first, that's when Jamie Gertz uh, first walks, star walks up to him. Mm-hmm. he sees him inquiring about getting an earring and she's like, oh, oh, that's not a good place to get an earring. I know a much better one. As if it's like oh. that difficult to do. Another just... thing that I missed. Okay, that's where the earring came from. Now, once he is... So for the rest of the movie, he just kind of like is there very languished and just kind of laying... Jason Patrick is and he's fighting off, you know, the vampire influence and... More things are happening. Once Corey Haim finds out, he calls those two guys, the Frog Brothers, mm-hmm. the other Corey and the other guy. I have no clue who the other guy is, but of course, right off the bat, they want him to kill his brother, just like mm-hmm. that. He's like, yeah, you'll feel much better about it. <laughs> um, so he's like, no, I can't do that. There must be an alternative. And so they try to find who the head vampire is, and they do something tells them. I forget how they figured it out, but they figured that it was the mom's boyfriend from the video store. Yeah, I don't remember anything that led to that conclusion. <laughs> right. Uh, he must have done something or said something that made them think that he could be the leader. And I don't even understand the logic of what makes the head vampire the head vampire and why he holds everyone else like in their vampirehood. 
You mean just how that person ever gets that position? Right. Maybe it's just the oldest of the vampire group. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's, that's what all it takes. Yeah. He definitely did not look like a leader. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you know, once they once they had him at their house, his mom invited him over, and then everybody's there, you know, the two Corys, and of course, they have it in their mind that he's the vampire, so they've prepared. They have this garlic ready. They have this, you know, they have the holy water ready and the mirror, mm-hmm. and they try all these things on him, and nothing works. So... um they kind of like phase that out quickly and then by default they just assume that David Kiefer Sutherland blonde haired guy he would be the head vampire which was a pretty good um, thought yes I think that's what the director wanted the audience to believe as well right well well done by him Um, so yeah they spend the rest of the movie trying to hunt him down and his crew and at some point they go down uh, by the shore, the ocean shore, they find the cave where those... I'm not sure. I can't remember how they found them anyway. I guess maybe Jason Patrick mm. knew that's where it was. And uh, they they drag him. He's like half awake and they drag him over there. And the two guys, I don't know how they expected to kill all of them because like the minute you kill one of them, they all wake up, which is exactly what happened. And so they were lucky to get out of there without getting killed. Like they... They had they they said let's go for the little one first, which they do, and with barely any effort, the state goes right through them. Right, which if you're like trying to stab a hanging body, I feel like that would be difficult, just according to the laws of physics. Yeah, not to mention if you're on a ladder, not a ladder, but whatever he was climbing, you don't have much foothold or leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a little bit off balance trying to do this, yeah. so you're not getting like maximum force as you're pushing the stake through a vampire's heart the most improbable part of this movie clearly (laughs) yeah but it being a vampire movie nobody really pays attention to that they just said oh wow he got one and uh they get covered in the blood and guts and everything and fall down on the floor which probably would have like broken both their necks because they were up pretty high and uh, the vampires swarm and swoop down best they can to try and grab them, but they run into the sunlight too fast. David almost has Corey Haim by the foot and mm. almost drags him in, but they manage to scurry out just far enough so the sunlight hits him in the wrist and his hand catches fire. Now, I've never seen Twilight. That's more your thing. Is that how it happens in Twilight? I wouldn't call it my thing. <laughs> um no, vampires actually they twinkle. Yeah, I mean sparkle. sparkle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, which apparently Stephanie Meyer had a dream and in the dream she saw a couple like a man and a woman and the man was sparkling and that like inspired her whole writing of the twilight saga which after watching this movie i don't know <laughs> i think she was inspired a lot by this film <laughs> really was there a lot in common because i've never seen any i've never had an i mean interest. honestly there wasn't a lot but there's a couple things um i mean the family is from phoenix oh is that right uh-huh that's that's weird i think it's phoenix but they were definitely from arizona in twilight it's kind of swapped um it's like a single dad. She goes to live with her dad and then she falls in love. Oh, with really? This, like, yeah. That, well, that's a lot of like. <laughs> she falls in love with this mysterious vampire boy. Like they also make very awkward direct eye contact at the beginning of the movie. So was there a muscular shirtless saxophone <laughs> player who was oiled up? 
No, but I feel like Twilight really could have benefited from that. It does. I was going to say, like, most vampire movies are pretty similar in theme, but that does sound, like, pretty specifically (laughs) like this. There was definitely, like, a lot of um, very... The vampires were obviously, like, the coolest people in the town, which I think similarly... These oh, are yeah. some pretty cool vampires as well. <laughs> yes, right. Well, Joe Joel Schumacher knows how to dress a cool-looking vampire, <laughs> I must say. I thought... It's funny you say that because when I saw Kiefer Sutherland in the, before I saw the movie back mm-hmm. in the day, like when I saw that picture, I thought that was about as coolest as anybody could look. <laughs> that the spiked hair and just like that look on his face and the trench coat and everything, like uh-huh. that did look pretty cool. Yeah. Therefore, you thought the movie would be pretty cool. And, you know, it was. It wasn't maybe as good. I remember, so going back to Josh again, he was like, we were both talking about it one day and he was obsessed with seeing it. Mm -hmm. And then like the next night he got to see it. I had to wait like another year. (laughs) And so he's like, yeah, it was okay. He thought it was going to be like really amazing, but he wasn't like blown away by it. Yeah, so towards, now that's getting towards the end of the movie, like they kill one of them and then they have to brace for an attack. Yeah. Well, what they, was the scene where they like, oh, they were trying to like initiate Michael um, and they come across like this bonfire party. And oh, yeah. Smith is playing and like <laughs> showing like a close up of all their faces. <laughs> right. And meanwhile, it's like walk this way. That's I think that's another scene just like because they needed a bunch of people together <laughs> and they had no idea like what to do. I think that might be a case of just like an inexperienced horror director. Like, yeah. he was good at directing movies, mm-hmm. but this genre, it's just like, I think a lot of inadvertently silly things were in it, <laughs> much akin to the greasy saxophone player. Yeah. You had a bunch of guys, like, sitting around a campfire, and it's like, come on, are they really going to be, like, dancing like that, <laughs> listening to Aerosmith's Walk oh, This Way? and we almost forget, like, the sex scene between Star and Michael, which oh, yeah. just kind of happens out of nowhere. <laughs> like, right. Michael is like please what on earth is happening and all of a sudden they're like in the bedroom with like all of these superimposed like scenes and like this music is playing and that's like oh okay yeah who is this person still <laughs> right yeah that was kind of a, like a little bit of a i don't know it was hard to tell what was going on there either or maybe it was just our <laughs> shitty video quality again <laughs> Um, but yeah, they just go from like, you know, panic to suddenly it's just like, ah, let's, let's, let's pump the brakes in that panic (laughs) and do something else. So those two hit it off pretty good. She was supposed to kill him. She didn't though, because I guess she realizes there's something else there and they spend the rest of the movie just trying to avoid the other guys Mm -hmm. fend off David and his, his crew who, um, they end up at, uh, grandpa's house at the end. Corey Haim sends grandpa off supposedly on a date with the widow Johnson was her name. I don't know. I'm, we never see her, but that's that <laughs> <laughs> so with him out of the picture and I don't know where their mom was. I'll get, Oh, she was with, um, what's his name? The tall guy, Max, Max. Yes. <laughs> so they were off on their third date and no adults are home and they're all like, you know, nailing down the windows shut and they're, boarding up the the doors and stuff like that, just barricading the place. And then, you know, naturally the vampires just appear out of nowhere. So that's, that sets up for kind of like the finale. And uh, it was 
pretty well done. I thought that the scenes and stuff, the vampires kind of, you know, taunting them a little bit, playing around then, you know, planning their attack in the bathroom with the one guy cornering the two frog brothers. They managed to wrestle him into the bathtub, which did not bode well for him as he dissolved into a skeleton pretty much. Yeah, and proceeded to create a very dramatic plumbing situation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why that affected the plumbing so much. I mean, you know, he wasn't even like that notable of a vampire. It's like you'd think that'd be contained to the bathtub, but suddenly there's geysers of blood coming out every possible faucet. (laughs) Yeah. Reminiscent of what movie? Oh. um, Geyser of blood. (laughs) Okay. Wait, that's an actual movie? (laughs) Not the name of it, no, but it, it happened in a movie. Oh, I'm not the one to ask. Yeah. Well, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. I know it was too long ago. Duh. We did that one. <laughs> All right. Johnny Depp. Um, so that was an interesting scene. The the one where Corey Haim gets picked up by his head, I think, by the one vampire as they float up to the top of the house. And he manages to get his squirt gun out <laughs> and... <laughs> get him with the water and he he instantly drops him down to the floor again which probably would have broken his neck but he bounces right back up and before the vampire can come back and attack him again he manages to find a bow and arrow and shoots him with it and misses but the vampire gives him the opportunity by taunting him again and he manages to get the shot off and kill that vampire up against the stereo right death by stereo death by stereo yeah (laughs) <laughs> great lines I'm telling you some great lines in that movie um, so that pretty much was all the vampires except for David now he's the last to kind of make himself known and find Jason Patch I can't remember his name in the movie but they have their little showdown Michael Michael yes <laughs> I know they only said his name like 50 times in the movie but I couldn't remember it <laughs> I have it written down so that's why oh yeah good notes <laughs> So they fling each other around inside the house and you see a lot of, there's like some foreshadowing in this movie. You see, well, going back a little bit, you see grandpa putting some stakes in the back of his car. Not sure why. Like I think they were, they were fencing posts or something all (laughs) nice and sharp on the end. So it's like, hmm, you know, something's going to happen with that. And then back in the house, well, David and Michael are in there fight you see the shots of antlers he's got many different um taxidermied animals i guess he was a big hunter back in the day (laughs) lots of strategically placed uh elk elk antlers deer antlers you name it he's got it yeah (laughs) so you just (laughs) know with these long pointy objects something is going to happen with that (laughs) and sure enough david does get flung into these really long i think they were antelope Antelope elk antlers. Somebody gave me that as a present one time. Really? Actually, no, 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 not a present. I helped somebody move and they gave me that as like <laughs> the <laughs> consolation prize. <laughs> I sold it on eBay as a matter of fact. Oh. It was one of my first eBay sales I was kind of proud of. <laughs> How much? I think it was like $80 too. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Well, apparently they were the real deal from Africa. Hmm. I probably could have gotten more, but I didn't know what I was doing back then. Illegally poached. Um, Hopefully not. I think they were... <laughs> They were mounted. They had like these little uh, squares of wood on the end. Mm-hmm. They were screwed on. So yep. I guess maybe they were legally hunted. Maybe not. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. It's not even like really has to do with anything. So David's out of the picture now. And then 
mom and Max walk through the door. So Max, you know, pretty much not long after he walks the door, he sees David laying there and he doesn't really show much sympathy or anything. He's just like, oh, my boys have misbehaved. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, like, you know, it's odd that he wouldn't be visibly upset by it. But by him saying that, you knew they were right in the first place with their first Mm-hmm. Their first guess that he was going to be the head vampire. And sure enough, he starts growing those fangs. And everyone now is doesn't know what to think. Including the audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. He's kind of got everybody. You know, a couple of them try to land some, I don't know, hits on him. And he just like fends them off very easily, including Michael. And uh, Corey Haim was not much help. <laughs> he tried, but he just kind of grabbed him like a child. And... So then, um, the whole wall collapses in front. It's Grandpa honking his horn and... (laughs) Destroying his own house. Yeah, not sure why. That's not really explained either. (laughs) Of course, granted in the end, he does say that one thing I never liked about Santa Clara, too many damn vampires. Okay, so he knew there was vampires, but... How did he know that when he backed his truck full of stakes up to his own house so that they would launch through the wall, that he wouldn't hit one of his family members? There's like one vampire standing amongst um, seven people right. and 50 stakes flying through the wall. <laughs> and only the vampire gets hit. Everybody else is okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Grandpa had some powers of his own. Yeah, I don't know. That's pretty precise to launch all those things <laughs> to the wall and manage just to hit the one. Per- Unless he was just drunk and didn't even know what he was doing and it was just a lucky a lucky hit. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't seem phased by his wall collapsing or the fact that there's like seven dead bodies lying around his house. <laughs> he just says, ah, too many damn vampires. <laughs> Cue the credits and the Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah. So the Lost Boys, it's um, a good, I know there's, they made some sequels, but I think they were direct to video. It was nothing, Corey Feldman was in them, not mm. Haim. I don't know if they were made after Corey Haim's time. He did pass away. Yeah. Um, very interesting story about that. I don't know if I ever told you, but a friend of mine's wife learned of his funeral. Oh, you did, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and she had some stuff going, I won't say her name, but she had some stuff going on. And she just felt that like, she was he was a big teenage crush for her she was obsessed with him she had pictures of mm-hmm. him on her wall mm-hmm. and she was just like devastated by news of his death but she felt that by seeking out where his funeral was going to be that maybe she could come to grips with it and that's exactly what she did she <laughs> she seeked out where his funeral and service was going to be and she just went there Apparently, you'd think that when a celebrity dies, like there'd be very tight security around that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But apparently, it was like much a much smaller event than expected, and much uh, public, I guess. Even though it was public, there was not many people there, and she was able to get right into it. Not just that, but to go follow the funeral procession off to where he was being buried in the graveyard. <laughs> this I'm not making this up. I mean, this actually is documented by a Canadian newspaper too. <laughs> So again, I'm not going to say her name, but it makes for an interesting story. And that is still like so impressive to me <laughs> that she was able to do that. I yeah, I mean, and she had to drive like eight hours. This was somewhere up in Canada. Yeah. Um, I I believe she was able to, you know, shovel the dirt batch of dirt onto his grave. Yeah. Um, he was Jewish, so this was a a. A Jewish cemetery and um, 
again, she made the newspaper as a super fan, I guess. And she, <laughs> I don't know what she said. It's been quite a while. I think it was like mid 2000s. I would guess like 2005, okay. six, maybe. Right. Yep. But all that aside, yeah, that was a shame though. He was, you know, he was a, uh, a fun actor back in the day. He didn't have much luck, I think. Mm-hmm. Outside of the '80s, he didn't do too much, and he got into some drugs, of course, also. And uh... but he did make an impression. Yep. Apparently. All right. Oh yeah. Both the Corys, License to Drive. That was a funny one. I can't remember what else they were in, but he was. Uh, yeah, they were both in some pretty good roles. Mm-hmm. The Goonies, of course, you remember, right? That's mm-hmm. Feldman. Okay. So if you remember that, um, and at the end of Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, he's the little boy that kills Jason. Mm. So, another horror tie in there. Now, with that, I think that pretty much covers everything I wanted to mention about this one, unless you had any further thoughts that you just had to mention. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess I do have jotted that it reminds us of our friend Jeremy. Um, Oh, how does he tie into this? (laughs) Yeah, so... Before he became religious, he actually um, had a fascination with vampires. I don't really know the entire story, but I remember him telling me that he used to, like, he he had his hair grown out very long, um, and he had these very, like, realistic-looking things that he would wear. Oh, wow. And he even had these contacts that you could pop in that would, like, apparently glow in the dark like it like when your headlights like shine into an animal's eyes yeah and they glow like that that's what these contacts would do (laughs) oh weird yeah reflective right yeah okay would like stalk the streets in this get up and freak (laughs) people out (laughs) so he wasn't really looking to do any harm he just wanted to freak people out right yeah right yeah he was a, a harmless um Although he was on some stuff too, though, so it's possible <laughs> yeah. if you got him in a, a you know in a wrong mood, he might have done something. But could have been part of it. Again, don't do drugs, which is what this movie is about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know he uh, he's been through a lot. He's got some stories. Mm-hmm. I will say that he could he should write a book. Right. He, he should, should do a podcast. As a matter of fact, definitely. If he just we did have one, him on. <laughs> he <laughs> if he just like picked random days in his life just to kind of like tell an intriguing story about he's probably got enough material there to do like a show a day for a year i (laughs) bet just based on what he's told me yeah definitely you know him a little better than i do but um the few times (laughs) i've i've seen him yeah he's definitely got definitely an interesting guy yeah for sure well that pretty much sums up this movie um We'll see. Oh, we were almost, we almost watched April Fool's Day with April 1st coming up right around the corner. But, you know, I just wasn't feeling that movie. It's, <laughs> that's kind of an annoying movie. I don't know if we will actually do it, but. Um, It'll be a surprise. Kind of. I kind of wanted to because Amy Steele is in it, mm. who I met just last week. Not that that makes it any better for a movie, but I'm not a big fan of that movie just because of the ending. <laughs> so. Who knows? Well, that wraps up the show for today. And uh, we'll look forward to coming back next week. If you have any comments that you feel you really want to reach us with, you can go to our website, not your average horror show hyphen a podcast. You put in that last part and that will definitely pull it up. 
just in case. And at the very bottom, under our pictures, you can actually send in a comment. So if anybody ever gets that far. <laughs> Out.